30 plus years ago, a movie came out, and one of the famous lines is, I feel a need, a need for, oh man, you all saw that, that's bad, that's okay. There's a longing for something. We talked about this when we began this series, The Unforced Rhythms of Grace, that we all have a need, a longing, a feeling, and we want more than that. And so it got connected to the soul. I wanted to start there and then bring us to this place where we'll go today and then finish up the series next week. I added this week, so uh, I'm kind of working through all of this myself. Um, I promise that I won't work it all out with you this morning, but it is something that I added to to kind of engage in the disciplines that help us with our longing. So the Bible teaches us that we all have a longing. In fact, outside of the Bible, I would say there's a longing in people as well. Even though the, the longing that they have might not be God, uh, might not be some of the things that we would connect with as far as followers of Christ, there's still a longing for something. Um, and I would ask that if you're not a follower of Christ, you at least consider that today. This longing began in Genesis. So in Genesis, we find that God formed man and that uh, he breathed life into man and women, and, uh, and, and it gave him, the Bible teaches us, a living soul. So it's something much deeper. So this longing is not just a longing like I will long. I've got, I got deer meat marinating in uh, the fridge. I've got a, a salmon steak that somebody gave me. I'm not inviting one person here. Don't ask. Don't. Don't imply, you can't make me feel guilty. There's not enough for you, okay? I know this is probably going to connect some way. It sounds very evil, but I got deer meat, salmon, one, one small salmon steak, just to clarify, okay? I've got enough chicken for my wife and I, and maybe I'll throw a piece to the dog. Not enough for you, though. Um, I have uh, all this kind of brewing, all right? I know that uh, one of our elders has got some pork butts uh, smoking right now, so maybe uh, maybe he'd like to invite. Was that something that you were inviting everyone over, right? <laughs> Talk about just putting it off me on to Matt, all right? Um, so I'm not talking about a longing for that, because I lo- I'm, I'm longing tonight when it's all done to eat most of it myself, the deer and the salmon at least, all right? My wife doesn't like it, so I'm good there. Um, I'm talking about something deep, deeper, the soul that says it's the center of our being. And we talked a lot about this week one. I don't want to get into that all again, but it's the center of humans. And what it is, I think the, the deeper things that maybe you can relate to if you're not a follower of Christ or we have a longing for love, healing, purpose, real connection, relationship. And one of the words that I brought out that first week was belonging, like we want to belong. And the deeper element of belonging to people in close community especially when it comes to spouse, family. We long to belong. And so if that longing is true, you may evaluate it for yourself, then we find ourselves needy. And, and ultimately, for especially us that are followers of Christ, we have a longing for God. And a lot of people out there have a longing for God or something that they would describe like God, something bigger, uh, broader, more powerful. Um, even you could say they long to be part of a bigger story. They don't want to feel, I don't want to feel like I'm just here on this earth for nothing. Like I don't believe that I was born and then I will die and that was just all of my life. We believe that there's something more, right? So we even could say we long for heaven. We long for God to be with him, not just long for God, but long to be with him for eternity. We believe as as followers of Christ that that's possible to have. 
And so when we look at this longing, we find um, there's a neediness to it, though. Thomas Aquinas, this priest, theologian, would say, old, old guy, I mean, he's long gone, but they, he said there's a neediness of the soul, and that neediness of the soul is a pointer to God. So my neediness, and I would ask if you're not a follower of Christ to consider this, it's a pointer to God. My soul always cries out and wants more. So even when I eat tonight outside of being full, I would want to stop, but I want more. I want more of that uh, you know, meat. I want more of that food. I want more of something. And of course, that's nothing compared to love, healing, purpose, real connection, relationship, and belonging. Okay, that neediness should point to God, but um, we have an issue with that, a problem. Because often we're not met or our needs aren't meant by God or others, whatever it may be, then um, we will look to something else for that need to be met. So if there's a longing, I want something, but if I don't get it from this, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to find it somewhere, right? So if your needs, if you're longing for a spouse or family or whatever is not met by your family or your spouse, what do we find ourselves doing? We look to someone or something else. Um, it's where all sorts of issues of life can come into play. And one of the things I wanted to refresh myself on this and you was that I, I, I'd been reading a book by John Ortberg all about the soul. And uh, he said that, um, that you have a soul and it says this, there's this unlimited neediness of the soul. But as followers of Christ, it's matched by the unlimited grace of God. So if, if it points to God and I go to God, there's enough of him for me. I don't have to go anywhere else. But sometimes there's issues with that. Like I don't want what he has. I don't believe in it. I mean, there, there's all sorts of things, so I'm going to go somewhere. So here's one of the things I want to tell you. Our soul's problem is not its neediness, but it's our fallenness, our sin. So the longing, the neediness is good. It just should point us to God. But we often find it attaching to other things. That's where we talked about idols. So when we have this neediness um, uh, and we don't go to God, we're going to attach it to something else that becomes something greater than God then, right? And that can be a person, a thing. It can be possessions. It can be whatever. I have this longing. I have this need. That's good. It should point me to God. But if it doesn't, follower of Christ or not, if it doesn't, then those things become idols because they become greater than God. Um, I hope that makes sense to you. Just kind of, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. We'll just go on, all right, good, all right. There's enough nod, nodding to the heads. So I can't then, what we talked about and what I want to kind of go with today concerning a blessing, giving a blessing, is I want to just say then, we can't replace an idol by turning just away from it. We must turn towards something, right? So the idea is always, I got to stop doing that, and we just stop doing that, but we don't replace it with something else. So what I'm proposing is that we've, there are certain things that have become greater than God for us. We, yes, turn from it, but turn to something, or you could say, even for a lot of us, someone, God, right? Jesus now, we said, recognizes this, and we'll bring it specifically to, to being a blessing, but we said all these disciplines that we've been talking about, and there's tons more that we could add, add into this. Maybe we'll just keep coming back to some of the familiar ones and regular ones, but then add to it as we go along over the coming years. 
But Jesus recognizes it today, but we've been looking at this verse constantly from the message, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Because even religion can become an idol greater than God. We serve rules, regulations, church going, Bible reading, and it's not really God. It's just stuff that we do. That can even become an idol. And so Jesus says, are you tired, worn out? Because that's what it does to us. It's, ex- it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. Are you burned out? So some of us are burned out on religion, but we, we want to then get from that and go to God, relationship with God. He says, then come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's what we've been talking about. Unforced rhythms of God's grace from God that are not forced upon us. And he says, learn to do this with me. So that we've been talking about what does it look like, the word of God, discerning, prayer, you know, these things. We don't want them to become idols in themselves. We want them to be something that refocuses our, our points us to God. And so he says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly, the, the, the real life that he has for us. We want that. We need that. We long for that, something that fulfills our soul and goes deeper. So here's my, my discipline for today that I want us to think about and then hopefully practice, and that is to be a blessing, a blessing. Simply, a blessing is this, and we'll define it a little bit more, and there's a lot more to this. If, if I try to tell you everything that I'm working through, then you would hate me by the end of this, and any visitors may not come back. I already speak longer, um, but it would, it would be even a lot more. So here's the simplified version, and then we'll come back to it, but you can dig a lot deeper on your own if you'd like. But a blessing is simply to think well of. So I think well of someone. Now, even deeper, here's an interesting thought. It's to kneel. So there's this element where I am like, like thinking well of someone, but there's an act of worship to it, an act of submission to it, which is kind of scary, where there's a, like one of the root words is to kneel. So when you're blessing someone, there isn't, or receiving a blessing even, there's an act of kneeling before I'm submitting to what you're doing for me, but I'm also kneeling before you as an act of worship to you. Now, I don't want you to do that to, to each other today. Uh, if you kneel in here, listen, isn't even that that wedding? I didn't do it, but some of you, did you get on one knee and propose? No, nobody did. Good, then I didn't either. We're all, I feel good now. My wife's not here, but so <laughs> look, I'm blessing you. There's this, see that whole element of what you're doing? There's a beauty to that. You've done it in other ways. There's lots of things that we can dig on, but dig into, but think about that, that whole element part to it. To receive and to give, there is that element of submission. We'll bring, we'll, we'll bring that back up in a minute. To think well of. Look at what Dallas Willard says. I really loved his, he, he put a definition to it. One of the guys that I've been walking through with you as well. Dallas Willard said that, that blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. So I'm projecting something. I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm, I'm putting something on you into the life of another. It isn't, this is what I like too, to think about more as we go on. It isn't just words. It's the actual putting forth of your will for the good of another person. 
It always involves God. So as followers of Christ, we're adding this, what he says, it always involves God because when you, when you will the good of another person, you realize only God is capable of bringing that. I'm not capable of doing that on my own with all the baggage that I carry and the baggage maybe that the person has that I'm blessing. So we naturally say, this is where he proposes that little, that phrase comes from, God bless you. It's more than just a cliche. It's projecting the good into the life of another. It's thinking well of, all right, let me propose to you some problems. You may think of some more. Do we have a problem with this? Do we have a problem with blessing someone, with, with giving this, projecting good onto someone? Oh, man, there's many. One is just all the garbage that we have to deal with, the hurt and struggle, the pain, the history, the resentment, all of that stuff. We've been talking about that. We will continue to deal with that as we walk along in our lives because it's something we will all deal with. But one of the problems is we've turned, God bless you, look at the power that he put to those three words, and what have we done to those three words? They're just cliches, Right? God bless you, you sneeze. If you don't say, God bless me, then I'm mad at you, and we just say it as a, as a cliche, God bless you. So it's turned into something that doesn't have any power or projection behind it. What Willard proposes there is that it really has a deeper meaning to it, so that when we say it, look at what we're doing, we're actually projecting someone, the good of another on someone. God bless you. It's not just, oh, you sneeze and got snot all over me, thanks. That's probably what you're really saying, some of you, right? Oh, God bless you. It's all in the attitude and the look of the face, right? <laughs> the, other one, the other one is, have you heard this? It's a southern thing, southern uh, little phrase. Anyone from the south? Okay, this, okay, one. Is this true? Maybe you and I can just dialogue for a minute. When they say, God bless her. So, you know that, does anybody know that phrase here? Now, it has a lot of deep meanings. Don't, don't go too deep. Most of them are negative, right? So I read a story about it. Like one of the examples from the South was this little boy's with the teacher. He, uh, he, he's asked, you know, what's your age? And he holds up four fingers. And he says, I'm six. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do. I'm six. And she says to him, oh, bless your heart. Right? Is that, is that true? Okay, we're on the same page here. You know what that means, right? For some of you, it's like Ron is dumb as a rock, but he's, but he's cute. <laughs> like you're going to go on that date, right? Is she pretty? She's smart, I think. <laughs> God oh, bless, bless him. So then the teacher goes to him, well, bless, bless your heart. Hun, but that's four fingers. So he goes, I'm six. And, he, and she says, oh, bless your heart and your mama's too. <laughs> We've turned something that can have great power behind it and project something very powerful to the individual into a cliche. That's a problem, right? When we lose and there's a lot of studies that's been done on this kind of stuff. We lose the power behind the words. Now, you could probably think of words right now that have lost its power or some that you've given too much power to. 
but it becomes a cliche. When in the church, especially, these things become cliche. Think about this for just a minute. It's one of the things that I'm trying to work through and I've encouraged you to. We need to stop doing things just because cliches to the church. When somebody loses, some tragedy happens, whatever, we throw out a cliche, a Christian cliche, expecting that that's supposed to make somebody feel better. Instead of just maybe, especially when it's a tragedy, mourning and weeping with them. Now, I'm not saying that some of the things we say aren't bad. It's not that. It's just that the truth is, it doesn't make me feel better. So we've lost some of the power behind these words. Um, I think uh, uh, the problem as well is we long for a blessing, um, and it's a, it's a, a desire. We long for this, and we want to be thought well of. So what happens is we want, one of the problems is I discover even about myself, I want a blessing more than I want to give a blessing. So I looked up some of this stuff even on Google, and there is more about how, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, please, but there's more that we can find on teaching about how to get the blessed life than be a blessing to someone's life. And you know what? I, I thought about it for myself. Nothing wrong with that. I want the blessed life too. We'll probably have a sermon series on it at some point. But listen, I find that times I want more than I want to give more. And it reveals something about my heart. Wanting something, longing is fine. But does it kind of, you know, hover over, cover the, this, this idea that we should be giving? And so one of the problems that we have is that we want more than we want to give more, you know, to or, and to a person. One of the problems is also that we give more power, and I would, I would say maybe even in the church, we give more power to cursing than blessing. Churches, even today, it's tough because we want to stand against sin, true, against something, there's more of a cry at times to stand against some sin, and in turn, the reality is someone or people group. But we have a really hard time if we bl to, to bless them. And you know why? Why we're afraid is because we're afraid, and I, I, I would get fearful of it too, and am, the truth is, that by, by me blessing someone who's a sinner, you think that I'm approving of their sin. What I want to do is bless them. I'll tell you why in just a moment. What if we got past that? It does not excuse sin. It doesn't, it's, we want to take responsibility. As a church, we want to stand up for right righteousness, God's holiness. But the truth is, it seems to me that there is more blessing than cursing going on in the Bible. Now, you need to evaluate that for yourself. Blessing and cursing go together. They're obviously all, they're often linked together, right? But even Jesus, I'll bring this up later, will say it is, it is, you should bless your enemies. What? No, no, I'm a pastor. I need to curse them, okay? That's my job. I mean, I'm paid to do this. I'm actually paid to curse the sinner. You laugh, but you know what? There's probably some truth to it that I have to evaluate for myself. 
I wonder what you think about that. It may push some of you right now because you're already stirred up like, I, don't, I knew I didn't like this church. I just was wondering why. <laughs> Ron wants to bless everybody. I didn't say that, but I'm wondering what you think about that. You don't have to say it out loud right now. You can write me a nasty email, confront me in the parking lot, um, whatever you want to do that makes you feel better. But hey, that really set you up real nice, huh? You can do that, but I want you to think about that. What do you think about that? Go to Scripture and see what it says. It seems to me there is cursing and blessing. Now, Willard and others have brought up that blessing and curse are two of the most powerful words in the Bible. And the Bible even tells us that we have a choice to do each one. All right? Even uh, Deuteronomy 11, 26. Look today, I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. And he'll say in this if you, you're blessed if you obey God and you're cursed if you reject God. There's this, that whole little part to it. But we have a choice. We have a choice each day to bless or curse somebody. Most of us will be confronted at some point today to bless or curse someone in some way. Uh, what you verbally say, how you act, the eye roll that you just gave your spouse, whatever. You know those things. And we, we have a choice. Um, one of the things that uh, is a problem and makes this all hard, and you'd say, is, like, I don't know if this is true. Just think about this with me. Is blessing hard to you? Is cursing easier? Drive around the valley. What's easier for you, to bless or curse? I know it's cursing because you've done it to me. <laughs> What's easier to do? Think about that for a minute. What's easier, to bless or to curse? And it seems to me that we find it easier to curse. I think it's hard, um, it's hard for us in, in this way because it's something that is, we've made it um, really hard to do. And part of that is because if, I think there's this whole part where, like, if you do this, then I do this, then I need to do this. So it's, I was talking to the guys on Thursday in our group, I think one of the things that revealed it even a little more is, I don't know, like it's not blessing and cursing necessarily, but I don't know how to end a conversation in text very well. Does that, does that relate to anybody? Like who, when do you finally stop? Because it feels like, okay, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. See you Sunday. No, I'll see you. And you just, where do we stop? Like somewhere we got to stop, Right. But I always feel like I got to give the last, maybe there's, I'm just revealing some sin now. Maybe I always just need the last word. Maybe that's what it is. All right, okay. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it, it, and I was thinking about that, like blessing, we, now we feel like we need to give something back, right? Oh, you blessed me. You gave me $10. Now I got to give you 20? Oh, crud. What is this? You know, we have a hard time with that. You feel like you have to give back if you're the receiver and What's deeper is, do you ever give a blessing and you think, now, they should give me one? Oh, all right. <laughs> but blessing is an act of grace, not indebtedness. That's, that makes it hard. Because the truth is, a lot of times we think, now we're indebted. We have to do something back. So we have a hard time with that. It makes it hard to do. One of the things that, uh, I don't remember who brought it up, but you have to receive it. So I don't know, if you have a hard time 
receiving a blessing from someone, a kind word. One of the things that I often will do when somebody says something nice to me, it's, a, it's not a good thing, because there's a, there's a it, is I try to downplay it. So you say something good, and then I want to tell you why I'm not that good. But the truth is, I just want you to say something again that makes me feel good again. And we can do that all day. <laughs> I said, I can't end this, man. I'm sucked in. And, uh, and so the guy wrote, whoever wrote this said, to receive a blessing, it's not just like I haven't stood still one time today, right? But you have to stand still to receive it. It might be where there's some kneeling element to it as well. Not that you should kneel, but there is that time when the priests in the Old Testament and other places in other cultures, they want to bless you so you get down on your knees and then they're able, one of the things it does, it makes you be still. And then they can, they can bless you. So one of the problems that we have is we don't receive it well. It's not just physically moving, but it's emotionally. It's just be still for a minute. And then one of the biggie, biggies is too that we feel unworthy. So again, that goes back to what I said. I feel like I got to downplay that so that you say, and I'm unworthy. Thank you, but I'm unworthy to receive that. Nope, I'm not good enough. You don't know me. If you knew me, you would never bless me. Uh, there's God's it's undeserved grace. This is where it comes from, Willard was talking about. We don't do it because we deserve it. And they don't deserve it, maybe but we do it because of the bigger implications, right? That goes to that sin part. It's easier to curse because if I bless someone, they don't deserve it. Ah, wow. How does that work in God blessing us? There's where it digs deeper into me because suddenly God blesses me, but I don't deserve it. And so Wow, how does that go deeper into people? Um, why is this important? Let me just talk a few minutes about why is this important. Because one of the things that receiving and giving a blessing does is it helps fulfill the longing of the soul that we say everybody has. So even somebody that's not a follower of Christ, um, it's going to impact them. Without it, we struggle with anger. So without this blessing, maybe you can relate to some of these things. We struggle with anger offense-taking, we never feel good enough, sadness, loneliness, pretending, longing for more that causes us to seek unhealthy relationships and affirmation. So if we don't give blessings, receive blessings, as the Bible teaches us, then one of the things that happens is we just go all over the place with emotions and feelings and brokenness and hurt and struggle. We seek unhealthy ways to receive that, get that. It creates a mess. It's the kid who just says, Hey, Dad or Mom, just watch me do this. And that's just not verbally. Some of you may struggle because a parent never came to any of their, your games. And one of the longings that you had, one of the things that you desired was to be seen. Blessing is part of that longing to be seen. It's the kid who says, hey, watch me. Will you come outside and watch me do this? Not so that you can curse him and tell him how bad he did at it, but so that you can bless him so he knows that my dad, my mom, saw me. And I long for that for God. There's a part of me that says, God, come watch me. 
see me. We long for that from parents, from spouses. Kids long for that from their parents. Watch me, mom, dad. It's one of the things we want to build up into our, our, our ministry here. So we find, uh, we find this playing out. Um, why is this important? Well, God establishes it as important from creation on through the life of Jesus. He would say things like in Isaiah 43, I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored. I love you. Even Jesus, maybe you could think about this story a little bit, heard from the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, heard from the Father, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. There's a longing right there that we have to hear from God. God actually said it to build up Jesus, to put, project on something that he was not necessarily. I don't know all that went into that whole, you know, um, theology and humanity, some of that, but there is an element there where God says, this is my son, I'm blessing him. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus even heard those words. Even in, the, even in creation, God says, I created all these things, and he comes to man and woman. He says, it's created, and it was good, and it says, God bless them. And then he said, go be fruitful and multiply. So there's something about God saying it's good and blessing it, and then it creates fruit and multiplies into the lives of others. Why is this important? Because it feeds the longing for our soul. God established that, and then it continues through us. So one of the phrases, this is a big one that we've heard, it almost becomes a cliche, is we're blessed to be what? A blessing. Okay, there's the answer right there for you. <laughs> we're blessed to be a blessing. This goes back to Genesis 12, when God says to Abraham, leave everything, go to a, a country that you don't know anything about, you've never been before, and he says these words in Genesis 12, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Blessed to be a blessing. So this is a promise that God gave his people that carries on through us today. Thousands of years later, we are blessed to be a blessing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this you know, pastor theologian from years ago, said these words. A blessing is the visible, perceptible, effective proximity of God. It demands to be passed on. It communicates itself to other people. To be blessed is to be oneself a blessing. But look at that first part. A blessing is the visible, perceptible, I can, I can see it, effective proximity of God. What he's saying is a little bit of God comes in you, then through you into the lives of others. So what you're doing when we give a blessing to someone, when we think highly of them, when we place, man, blessing upon them, there's a little bit, you could say even, or it is God himself working through you into their lives. That's the power that we see. That's what makes this so important. It is part of the gospel, the good news of Jesus advancing into the world. By Ron, you're saying a blessing that's given? Yes, if we put the power behind it that God speaks of, if it becomes a cliche, then it loses some of its power. You've received a blessing before that is not done with the power behind it. They're saying it to get out of trouble, right? Guys, we know what this is like if we're married. 
We just want to get out of trouble. And so we give a blessing, but it has no power behind it. But what is being proposed here and what we see in Scripture is this is the gospel advancing. It starts in me. We've talked about this every week with spiritual transformation in my own heart, God filling me, and then it comes out of me into the lives of others. We said this last week with the word of God. Sweet. Hey, I take the honey of God's word. I take that sweetness in for myself, and then it comes out of me, and it's sweet to someone else. And that's what God is telling us here, that a blessing is part of the gospel advancing, that what comes in us will go out of us. Even in the Old Testament, it was part of the priesthood, and we'll get to the scripture in just a moment as an example. But as part of the priesthood, they were pronouncing blessing, um, and now the Bible in the New Testament, Peter in different places calls, calls us as followers of Christ, priests. So we are to give the blessing out. It's not just restricted to pastors or priests. It's to all people to do this blessing from God. God's blessing may be the first sound of the gospel that someone hears. If that's true, if that is true, you think about this, then why do I give a blessing only when someone gets their act together? If a blessing is one of the first ways that someone hears the gospel, receives the gospel, the good news of Jesus, if that's true, then why would I wait to give a blessing? Rightly so, not just flippant, not cliche. Why would I wait to give a blessing until they become a follower of Christ? Why wouldn't I do it in whatever way I can, okay? The simplicity of it maybe. Why would I wait until they become a follower of Christ? Why not give it to even the worst of sinners? That's something to think about, huh? Because I am not proposing here that we bless all the Christians and curse all the sinners. I'm proposing that we bless as God tells us to. We see the other thing that makes this important, then I'll move into, onto this priestly blessing and then give us just a few points to, to, to apply practically this week. But blessing also builds the community. So one of the things that's going to happen right here in church that we need to just do a lot more of is bless one another in this building. We should practice it. Um, and that can come in many ways, verbally, um, meaningful touch. There's just a lot of ways that we can do that, how we treat one another, how we're greeted, all these things. But blessing builds community. First Thessalonians and Hebrews talk about this, but First Thessalonians 5.11 says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So he's telling followers of Christ at church, hey, as you're already doing it, if not, you should be doing it, encourage and build up each other. So one of the things that we find a blessing is gonna do, however it looks, is it builds us up and encourages us. I like to be encouraged. I like to have something projected on me that speaks of a, a really powerful future, a good thing, right? Speaks to something that's a longing of my soul, the belonging part of it. We all have a longing for belonging. So I want 
to hear from you a blessing that I belong, that I matter, that you see me. We all want that. We all, like I can't do it to all of you in here right now. It is physically impossible until I'm on the stage to go, bless all of you. I just cover all of you. you just, you're, this section covered, done. Okay, I love you. I love you guys. I love you guys. All the same, right? This section's not better than that one. You're all beautiful. You're all, you know, I can't. And then you start going, this, this guy's ridiculous, all right? That doesn't have any meaning behind it, right? What we have to do is do it to each other in a room like this. But you can't do it to everybody either. So the only way to build true community is not expect the pastor or leaders or elders to do it. It's to expect a community to do it to one another. So one of the things that blessing does is it builds the community. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 is talked about even more. And he even writes, the writer to the Hebrew church says, let us think of ways. I like that. Let's even be, there's your creative thing. Let's think of some creative ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. This is an argument for church, right? For meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. There it is again. Especially now that the day of his return, Jesus' return, is nearing. Wherever that is, it's coming. So why not do it now? There's no reason to wait. We don't have to get our act together, figure it all out. Let's start now, he says. So it encourages, builds up. It gives us, when we do this, value and worth and identity. One of the things that blessing can do in certain, in certain elements of people's lives is build their identity. You know, when you hear them downplaying themselves, it's not to just, you know, do it in a wrong way, but it's to remind them, you're a child of God, man, that's how I see you. Not to shame them more. Remember, we've talked about this. Shame, there's a difference between guilt and shame. You can go deeper with it, talk to your therapist about it, but basically it's this, guilt is I did something wrong, right? That act I did. Shame is that's who you are. Shame says, like if you put it to lying, I lied. I, I, I made a mistake, I lied. I sinned, I blew it, whatever. And I own up to that. Shame says you're a liar. So blessing someone isn't to, to shame them. Blessing is to pull them out. That's not who you are. You made a mistake. It's wrong. It was sin. Repent. Yes, we need to do that. But that's not who you are. Blessing can be a part of building someone up that way and encouraging them and giving them value and identity. There are tons of people out in this world that feel worthless, that feel like put whatever, whatever word you need to with it. They need to hear from a community of believers that believes this for themselves, that they are not what the world says they are. Your kids need to hear this. And even more from their parents they need to be held, their kids, accountable for what they did. We do as adults, but they also need to hear, man, real identity and truth. They need to be seen. Maybe your kids are crying out, come, hey, watch me. And then build them up and encourage them. Not in a false way. I don't mean to do it wrongly. There's a lot with that. I get it. But in a healthy, we need that from one another. All right. So we see then how it strengthens and motivates and then it spreads out from there, if we could all do it. There is, uh, 
there is the big priestly, and I'm going to pray and bless you with this um, at the end of the service in just a few moments here. But Numbers 6, 22 through 26, just real quickly, and then I'll give you some practical things to do. Um, This is the big priestly blessing. They would, uh, in this time, way back in the Old Testament, thousands of years ago, still do it today um, in Jewish custom, and then other customs and religions have their own types of it. They'd even do like this, it looked like a Spock uh, thing that they would do. The priest would stand, and he would bless the people, hold his hands out over the people, and he would proclaim this blessing. And notice it comes from God to the people. Um, The Lord said to Moses, here's what I want the priest to do on a regular basis over the people. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he protect you by being about you, guarding you. And notice the you part. May he protect you. There's a personal part to it into your life. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. Smile, you'll see some translations say, may the Lord shine upon you. May he give you full attention in a favorable way. Think about, like one example would be from God. Can you imagine this? Think about a doting grandparent when the grandchild appears and how that grandparent's face shines. So when it says, God, this blessing is God, may your face shine upon these people today at Journey Church. It's God turning to you. His radiant face spilling out his glory upon you. Glory that's meant to be shared with each other. And that graciousness says it's a flow of his grace into your life, comes out of your life into others. So my prayer even would be that, God, turn your face with full attention on each person in here today. You, 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 shine upon them. Then he says, may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace, turning his face, looking full, fully at you, countenance upon you, right at you personally, in the depth of your soul, not just outwardly how you look, but the depth of where you're at, what's going on, where your heart's at. May his presence be with you. And he says, and give you peace, wholeness. So what a blessing that is, harmony, all these things that God says. And then God says, and I will bless them. I myself will do it. Now here's what's beautiful too. Write this down, you can look at it later. Um, Luke 24, 50 through 53, Jesus has lived his life. He's died, um, he's rose again, and he's gonna leave his people, at least present, presently on earth in that physical form. Jesus, it says in Luke 24, led them to Bethany, lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. The belief is that he read, quoted that very blessing to his people. What? Wow. Hey, here's the last, think about that. Here's one of the last things I want to say and do to you. I'm leaving. You can do this. You'll do greater. All the things he told them, don't forget who you are. Remember that I am with you always. And then he reads that blessing to them. 
He, he holds his hands out just like priests had done forever. And he says, may the Lord smile on you, be gracious to you, show you his favor, give you his peace. And I'll come again one day. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do that constantly to everyone that you meet so that God's gospel will advance even by a blessing upon their life. And how beautiful is that? So let me give you some points. The guys can come up. Our dueling banjo boys can come and lead us some more. <laughs> I love you guys. So here's just a few practical things to grab a hold of. One, don't make this too hard. Start with someone. Okay? I don't count because it's easy, okay? Start with someone. I would even encourage you, find someone that you don't know who, maybe you don't even know them. Maybe they're not a believer. And right out of the gate, I say that because you may want to judge right now and go, no, I got to find out where they're at with Jesus first before I can give them like a, a hand wave. <laughs> I loved at our men's group, Lydon, Matt Lydon told me about the rule at his work, right? Was it 5'10", 5 5 feet, 10 feet? 10 feet was you got you to gotta have eye contact. 10 feet, within 10 feet of a person that's coming by you at work, you got to make eye contact. 5 feet was, was a handshake or, uh, uh, or a high. Say hi. Okay. We're not going to make a rule here because you'll turn it into some other crazy thing, all right? But I thought that was really cool. Isn't it sad that we have to do that for, like, what God asked us to do? What Jesus prayed over his people? And uh, start with someone, okay? It takes practice. Anybody good at signing their, you know, writing their signature with the other hand? You ever, like, had, like, I'm right-handed. If, if I try to sign my name with my left hand, it looks like my dog did it. Not like a third, it's like my dog just tried to sign my name. <laughs> That's what this is going to be like. Super awkward, super hard for some of you. Others, you're like, this is cake. Then you need to pick out something a little tougher than just shaking a hand or making eye contact. <laughs> but start with someone. Today, it's practice, it's practice, it's practice, okay? We're not good at it. It's easier to curse. And the moment you think, Man, today, I, I think I want to curse them right now. Then bless them, okay? Use five fingers instead of one. There, right there. I just gave you a freebie. That's, you can, you can, you can have that one, okay? <laughs> Start with someone. Two, it's that C. I told you this earlier. Uh, Ron uh, Rollheiser did a lot on blessing. And seeing someone is looking with affection and attentiveness, taking delight in what we see. We take delight in them. Some of that's going to deal then with the deeper things of unforgiveness and resentment and all this. It's also going to have to be how we look at somebody who's not like every day in this valley, I'm judging folks all the time. Not in here, I would never do that to you. But out there, out, it sounds so dumb to say too, out there, out in the real world, 
where we go every day, I'm judgmental. On the way to church today, driving by certain things and certain people, I'm judging them. So what I'm asking you to do is you're going to have to see someone differently. That's why I'd say pick out someone hard. Could be someone at the coffee shop instead of saying, man, what a mess. They're this. They're rude. What if you picked out the rudest person and say, hey, you know what? I'd like to buy your coffee today. You could do that. I'm not saying you have to, but it could be a handshake. God, this person ticks me off. Hey, how you do? You don't want to be so phony with that. I don't mean that. But, but, you know, there's a lot of ways that you could practice this. So we start with someone. We see someone. But it's, 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 they want to be, do you understand that? They want to be seen. There are people out there that already, you know how you judged them? Most likely they feel like that as well already. You don't have to judge them out loud. They already have that deep sense of not belonging. And the moment you help them belong, even in that tiny bit, I propose to you that the gospel is advancing. The gospel just took a little step closer to their life. Even if they don't respond the way you want them to, that's your heart, not theirs. We're not doing it because now we have an expect, there we go, an expectation of getting a blessing back. Even if you don't get a thank you, you didn't do it for the thank you. You did it to bless and the gospel to advance into their life. Whatever it looks like for you can play out in many ways. Three, speak well of someone. I think it's Trent and Smalley wrote this book years and years ago about the blessing. When we speak well of someone, don't just think about uh, the um, like spoken word. It could be, but it's giving the whole person or giving to the whole person using our whole body in some way. So it could be words, written, spoken, praying for. I even have an app on my phone every day. Certain people and things pop up. Pray for, pray for, pray for. It's for someone else. Nothing for me, always for someone else. Wife, family, you guys, the men, my men's group, all this stuff. So we speak well of someone. It could be with words. It could be with meaningful touch. Not just touch, meaningful touch. All right? And respect the other person, obviously. Some people don't want to be touched. Now, I'm a touchy person. You already know that. I put your hand on the shoulder, shake a hand, give a hug. You know, a lot of you do that. For some, that's acceptable. Others, not. You want to check that out. But these sometimes have points of healing and anointing. That's why, think about this. Jesus practiced these things. He would touch the leper. Wasn't supposed to, but he did it. Bless them, gospel received. Stood up, words, and touch for the prostitute. Put, um, like saw something about her that no one else saw. The, the priest wanted to curse the woman. Jesus blessed her. The story is amazing. Jesus would do these things. It's attaching high value to the person. We're speaking to their identity. There's a sense of when you do this, looks, whatever it looks like for you, you're going to have to be creative. Remember, the, the Bible told us, like, think of ways. All right, there's an element that you're going to have to get rid of pride, and it's a kneeling before, I want to bless you today. I just want to bless you. My pride goes down. It's not about me and what I receive. It's about giving now. <clears throat> and then 
there's a commitment that comes with it, right? So when we speak well of someone, the speaking part is words, meaningful touch, attaching high value, and a commitment that we have. And then here's the last thing that Ron Rawheiser will say. There's a giving ourselves away. I, I say sacrifice. When you do this, there's an element of sacrifice then. You're a giving a piece of you away to them. That means sometimes it may hurt a little bit, not feel like you'll realize I wanted something back. It's going to sting maybe because now I gave something away or I gave a little bit of myself away, but there's a sacrifice to it. All right, stand with me, will you? We're going to take communion if you want to. How does this play out in the life of Jesus? He did all this stuff. He did all these things. He walked through all of this. He gave, and uh, he, he often would not bless the crowd. He would bless the individual. So he did that at the end. Like, I'm going to give you the blessing in just a moment. But he would also, he was really starting with someone. It seems like he always saw the gospel being able to advance better when it started with one person and spread out from there. That's what it looks like when we see a lot of these stories. He spoke well. He saw people. He spoke to their identity, gave meaningful touch, words. He attached high value. He was committed. Man, no matter what, he was in it. And then the last one, he sacrificed. So today, when you take that little cup of juice and that piece of bread, we receive, wow, we receive a blessing. Juice. Thank you, Jesus. You spilled your blood, sacrificed so that I could be free from sin. I take that bread. I take of. I receive what you have done for me. And I give back to you now. Thank you. In fact, one of the, the greatest ways you can bless God in return, Jesus, thank you for what you've done. And guess what? I'm going to give myself back to you. Talk about sacrifice. I received the greatest sacrifice given for me and a blessing from God, and I, I now give me back to him. If you haven't accepted Christ and followed him today, there's the starting place. I don't have to lead you in a prayer. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. I am not what I was. I am not filled with the shame of what others have said about me. I am now grasping a hold of what you have done for me. Communion is symbolic of that. But wow, the power behind it. So we remember today that great sacrifice. And I'd ask you to consider these things as you go out today. So I want to release you to communion. They're going to sing a song, and I'm going to give you the, a blessing to go home with. And Father, so thank you for what you've done for us. We receive it today. And if someone is even considering receiving that, man, meet them right where they're at. And uh, we even give ourselves back to you through this as well. We love you. Thank you for the greatest blessing that you have given us, yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.